Welcome to the Reboot Insiders Podcast. Today's episode is part one of a talk Jimmy had with Rick Strickland, head of Rick Strickland Baseball Academy, and Mike Ressler, CTO of Diamond Kinetics. In this episode, the group talks about using tech to train players of all ages and ability. They dive into introducing players to tech for the first time, as well as various sensors and camera technology that can aid in early player development. Please enjoy Jim's conversation with Rick and Mike. So I'm joined by Mike Ressler from Diamond Kinetics and Rick Strickland. What is your facility called these days, Rick? It's Coach Rick to Train Right Academy. Oh, right. Do you guys want to give brief intros on yourself? Rick, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm a former player, collegiately, a little bit of minor league baseball. Started a select program about 20 years ago. Had some success with moving kids on to the next level. Really, you start adapting technology back in the mid-2000s, early 2000s. And um, from that, because I was an early adopter, some pro teams asked me to consult with them. And when they were making an introduction, trying to figure out bat sensors and launch monitors and things of that nature. And so we've you know, been one of the first starters of that. Really appreciate how the, the industry has evolved and done uh, that. So that's a little bit about me. Thanks, Rick. Awesome. Mike? And, and I'm Mike Ressler. I'm the CTO of Diamond Kinetics. I am a technologist first, CS at Carnegie Mellon. I've been in sports and tech for over a decade now. I started my own company in 2010. Joined up with Diamond Kinetics pretty early on. I've been with Diamond Kinetics for seven years. I've had the pleasure of working with the entire team and growing some a, a team that I'm extraordinarily proud of. And we do a lot with um, inertial measurement units to measure baseball and softball swings and pitches, in case you're not familiar. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I know Mike and Rick very well. Where I know Mike back from when the Dodgers, we were using some Diamond Kinetics tech. And then yeah. now we're, we're collaborating on an app together. And then Rick just somehow knows everybody. <laughs> so I met Rick very early on and, and he's working with Reboot Motion and it's so much fun. And I feel like we learn a ton from each other. And Rick is probably the most aggressive and effective coach I know at using technology. So that is specifically why I was really excited to chat with Rick about the tech that he uses. Because I don't know how he even uses it at all. <laughs> how can one person use so much technology? And I guess that's how I really, that's how I wanted to start off, was just, uh, I wanted to ask you, Rick, like, what has your approach been to technology in general? Like when you see something, do you try it out? How do you decide what to use? What's your just general approach to, to the tech that you use? Well, it's trial and error, no doubt. And it's where can you fit the technology into align with what you understand mm -hmm. uh, from, from a murder learning standpoint. And sometimes the technology, it takes me a while. I mean, I'm going through this right now with Reboot, a while <laughs> to actually grasp the concepts of, on how the data is being interpret, interpreted and sent back to me. When you find something that's really interesting to you, it's going to get a lot of reps in, in, in my environment for, for applications that can try to teach the athlete from that. So a lot of times some technologies come in, they're dead in the water. They just don't make sense and they can't really be used in, in the application of how we're trying to train an athlete. So we don't go down that road too far down that road. But it's, it's a couple of pieces of technologies that have been with us for from the beginning to the end, and then 
now we're, we're getting to to the biomechanist clinician type stuff that you guys are doing now and it's actually making more sense in, in some of the stuff that we're actually doing now that's really if something else comes out new and the cameras are coming out new the single cameras are coming out new which is something that we're trying to add to what we're doing right now that we'll try it but i still find myself always going back to the old reliables the IMU sensors and, and uh, the other things like that one of the things though i wanted to ask you a little bit more about was i noticed so i've, I've I've had the the privilege of working with a lot of coaches in the past. And there's a good amount of coaches that are hesitant when it comes to technology, but hesitant to even try it. Like their first instinct is, eh, I don't want to give it a shot. But it seems like your first instinct is let's give it a shot. And so I'm curious, like what you think makes maybe your mindset a little different from like- I'm curious. Yeah. I'm I curious, right? Yeah. It was, I'll tell you something. I got a little upset a while, while back. I- I won't name the guy, but I think as I thought about this over two, you know, after a couple of years, it actually made sense. So it was a sensor company and I used to work with them and the gentleman made an offhand comment to somebody else. Well, Rick doesn't understand the data that we possess. And I thought about that. Well, you don't understand athletes. What do think like that? But then I, I started to think about it. That's really what fuels me with the technology is I don't understand a lot of times what the data is actually being presented to me for. And so I'm asking you guys, what are you trying to convey in that? And then looking for training opportunities when I see that data actually being presented. I'm not trying to come up with some new crazy formula to, to prove that I have my finger on the pulse of what a good swing is. But I, somebody was out talking about derivatives of the kinetic sequence the other day. And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, do I need to know what that is at this point in time? But if what I want to know is, when does derivative happen? Show me when it happens on video so I can show how, show the kid the cage. We're going to use this derivative to hit a home run or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> I cannot believe someone is talking to you about derivatives. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't talking to me about derivatives, but they were just making mentions. They weren't making mention to me about the derivatives. They were talking on a Twitter. I just ran across it, but they were talking about derivatives. And, and I just said, okay, this is where it's going. Show me what a derivative is and let's roll with it. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and well, we're, we're constantly trying to make tech approachable. So, well, that yeah. well, so like, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you is like, yeah. when you think about this from the other side of the equation, making, right. making the tech for Rick to use, how do you, exactly. how do you it, making it approachable so Rick doesn't have to think about derivatives? So I just looked it up. Rick was in the first 150 people to sign up for DK and that includes all the friends and family that we had signed up first. So Rick, I did a quick query. It goes way back to 24, it was October of 2014. I've got it right over here. He is always on the tech because he's looking for applicability of it. And it, and I'm sure it, Rick, since 2014, has been with DK, using DK here and there. And you know, you've seen how we've had to evolve how we talk about swings and how we present those metrics. Because we're not trying to line up your understanding and to line up our tech with your understanding. And Rick's been a fantastic partner. And I'll tell you, for everyone who's listening, there's... That is our goal is to get the tech really out of the way. I don't want DK tech to be a thing that you think about. I want video to set it up, set it and forget it. I want the balls to just be the thing that you use and the sensors to be on the bats. So it is a really interesting, we've been trying to align it and coaches that are trying to align uh, with the tech along the way. Yeah, I think that's 
obviously that's the really what what really like actually bothers me about what Rick said is I feel like it people like us, you know, building products for coaches, like we're not doing our job if we're forcing Rick to have to learn about derivatives. Right? derivatives. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jimmy and I are both like, oh boy. <laughs> like like that's that's one of the biggest things for me is I'm not an expert in coaching. So like I'm not trying to replace a coach with what we're doing. But Rick is also not trying to replace me. So like I need to do what I'm good at. You need to do what you're good at which is like analyze the data, but then we need to present it in a way to Rick where he doesn't need to get my degree in order to use it. Mm -hmm. Like he needs to be able to do what he's good at. So I think that's like a really important part of like good tech that coaches can use. Yeah, and I do want to, like, I'll put this out there. I don't know the level of coaches we have. I see and we have a a lot of people on the tech side and and I'll put this out there that I really try to not be a tech elitist and be like, oh, you have to use this or you have to use that. Even if you're out there with just a camera, right? Depending on the age group, a camera can help so much. You don't need anything else smart, anything simple. Even a stopwatch can start as tech. For me, so what another part of my intro, right? Like I'm coaching my uh, seven-year-old and nine-year-old in 10U and 7U. So that's the level of coaching I'm doing right now in, in baseball. So I'm at that level, but it is really interesting to me to see how they approach and light up when they can even see their own swing or see themselves pitching. Girls learning softball pitching, man, that is a really complicated motion and their eyes really light up when they can see that. So Try not to be a tech elitist and I try to make it very approachable. Yeah, I guess to that end, and, and Mike, since you're like embarking on this journey with younger kids, and Rick, I know you train younger kids. Maybe that's maybe we can start there. Is like where do you for a younger athlete? Like, what is like the simplest technology that you might use? Like, I know Mike, you mentioned like a video, a stopwatch. Like, what are just some examples of what you might use for a younger athlete who doesn't Maybe you don't care about exit velocity or yeah. back speed when they're like six years old or whatever. But like what, you know, when they're young, what's the simplest technology that you can use and how would you use it? I'll tell you, I had some surprising amount of pickup. I want, I do want to hear, I want to hear from Rick first though. Well, I, I, in, since about 2013, we started using the launch monitors. I mean, I think I would say 2013, I started using a launch monitor way back in 2006, 2006. I was using an old velocity machine that had wires running from one cage to the other. People used to walk in and look at me like I was crazy. What the heck this guy got going on here? Had digital display board. Guys were hitting the, the thing would catch the exit speed every 15 swings, but the kids were captivated by it. And I always use this term, and it's I always say people like the best hitting instruction I ever heard was from Rasheed Wallace when he was in a basketball game and somebody made a foul on him, he yelled at the referee, the ball don't lie. And so the kids, like when they look at things from a ball perspective, even when you teach old school coaches, like they have a pretty good concept of if the ball was hit hard, if it was hit on the ground like that. So the kids actually really gravitated to that. The next phase of that was like, okay, why did I hit it hard? Then you had the bat sensor that went on with the bat. Uh, and we're down in a whole different rabbit hole with the bat sensor now because I think that there's other things that people should be doing. I think that's where Diamond Kinetic was actually born from and is in the fitting standpoint. And I just, my mind's wholly blown with that now. But really what we did was with the launch monitor is that's okay, we need to hit the ball hard. Let's see how hard we could actually hit it. And the kids back in 2000, before there was even an Apple TV that we could display the metrics on the TV, were really captivated by that. And I would tell you for the last 14, 15 years, it's been on in some form or fashion, regardless of what tech, pretty much every day. So 
And we know from a business standpoint, people love that. They love the fact that everything's being captured. They get a chance to look at it. So when you say launch monitor, can you just go into more, are you talking about like a Rapsodo or can you go into more detail about what you mean? I use Rapsodo exclusively now, but I've used, I was probably, I'm sure if the tracks went down and did their database, I probably bought, I think Mike told me I bought the sixth one of those. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I had the sixth one of those. I had two of those, uh, but we, we bought the Rapsodos because we're, we like being able to move around and do some different things like this, but we use those in the cage every day with that. Now you could use a, a radar gun or a pocket radar to get those things like that. For people who don't want to spend that kind of money, it's fine. But we, we also, the competition education value of it too. Uh, we love the, 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 the launch monitor aspect of it. Uh, back in the day, we didn't have that. It just had a number. It was just a little machine and it had a little kickstand to it. And it was a little gray box. I tried to sell it on eBay. Nobody would even, I think I might've sold it for $200 or whatever. I think somebody finally, golf guy finally got around buying it, but it was the first of its kind. I remember one of my kids that we actually ended up playing the major leagues. I remember when he was in college and I was like talking about his exit speed. And he's wow, exit speed doesn't matter. Who cares what exit speed was? Right now, he's a minor league kick instructor for the Phillies and he's all about exit speed, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So when you talk about a launch monitor, it's really, that's really interesting. It's like some people think about data-driven coaching has to be super complicated, but the way I hear how you're using launch monitors is awesome. This launch monitor, I got a launch monitor. It's like a little like black box with a camera that you put in front of home plate. It's, I think, computer vision based. Maybe there's a radar. It measures the launch characteristics of the baseball, the launch speed, the launch angle. But it's awesome. It's just that they always say is, you know, you can measure something that makes people care about it more. So you, know, you just show a kid that exit velocity. Automatically, they're like, oh, that's my exit speed. I want it to go harder. I want it to go harder. And it's just motivation that you don't have to do. <laughs> no, no. We actually, we don't use the technology to teach the technology necessarily to be the teacher. The coach is always a teacher, right? He's yeah, the one that's that a great point. Coming, coming in to see it. The technology is not bad, but you can use the technology to actually help pinpoint areas of improvement. So one of the ways we use launch monitors is, okay, I'm not really good at math, all right? But let's say that shortstop over there is six foot tall and he's got, you know, a, a six foot wingspan, arm span. He sticks his arm up in the air that makes him 12 foot tall. The kid, yeah, yeah, 12 foot tall, six foot, six foot. I said, he's probably got a, let's say he's got a 40 inch vertical. He can really jump off the ground. So that's close to four feet off the ground. So that's about 16 feet. So you got to hit that ball about 17 feet in the air in order to get over his head. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, let's hit it on the launch bar. Did that ball go over his head? I was at 12 feet. You could catch that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the kids start to problem solve when you start to explain it to them that way, instead of going down this path where you're trying to write a whole thesis on, on extra speed launch. They don't need to do that. Right. The kid can actually solve size, start to problem solve for it. And then the things that you're telling them about whether or not this swing works for them or not makes more sense to him at this point. And they become blue because when they do it, I say, we'll do it again. And if you can do this in the game, your chances of success go, go uh, beyond that. So uh, really a lot of times it's trying to teach the kids. I don't want to say in a fifth grade format, you don't want to overwhelm them with the information. You just want to simplify it to the point where they can repeat it back to you and they repeat it back to you in the form that they understand what you're actually trying to get them to do. Uh, That's great. Think, yeah. I'll shut up and I'll get come back to other. other <laughs> no, I, so I was going to do a follow-up question on you. Like, the not overwhelming with information is a particular particular point for me on that, where like 
when I've been coaching in the past, I don't want I how many metrics Diamond Kinetics has. And I know how many data points go into every single swing, very detailed level. I'm not showing them that. So two things on it, like one actual personal question, have you seen kids light up more and get engaged more in math and science as you start to connect on some of these? You're talking about launch angles and distances and, hey, let's calculate this. And it's approachable, right? Like yeah, we, I we have start a personal preference in education and all that. We started talking about standard deviations one day. I know that's not oh, yeah, there, but, nice. but we started talking no, about standard yeah, that's deviations. Wonderful. Like, well, what's that in? Like, probability, you know, you, this is yeah. what it looks like. You, if the higher that number is, the worse the swing is. Yeah. Well, uh, all so over the place, right? <laughs> let's, let's, let's lower that number then, coach. Okay, let's how about doing that. Let's go, let's go <laughs> do that. Great. Yeah. So we're trying to create a couple different metrics from a math standpoint that makes sense, that they can start nice. to understand and make nice. sense to them. We joke about it all the time with the cadence. So you got me, little eleven-year-old Charlie going to his math class talking about standard deviation. <laughs> yeah. Eddie coach talks about it every day. Standard the deviation. <laughs> it's like wait a second, baseball. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it because it's such a gateway. It is such a gateway to the practical application of math and physics inside of sports. Has been always it's always been something that I've been keen on. And then so on the topic of not overwhelming with information. Art has a really good question on progression that I want to focus on here too, is what is your personal progression for teaching athletes? So at 7U and 10U, I'm just looking for outcomes. Just like Devin Morgan had one that was like, just have your kid count how many balls go into the outfield. Cool. Mikey got five. And then the next day he got seven and he was so excited. Oh, seven in the outfield. And now he's every ball is in the outfield. But what are you, what is your focus with the tech and how do you teach that progression? Where do you start? We've always, again, I said the number one thing we start with the young athletes is always the ball. The ball doesn't lie. They understand what that ball, they may not understand all the, the craziness that you can measure with the ball, but they do understand whether they hit it hard or they hit it far. So it could be exit speed. It could be distance. It could be whatever. I don't really particularly care which one they focus on is as long as we pinpoint something that they they care about and let's see if we can make it better. So That's a great way to approach it. I don't want to drive a narrative by telling them what I think they should do. You tell me, you, you, you have some input in this because you are the player. We're just going to come in here. We're going to get after it. We're going to come out here and get after it. We're going to swing the bat as hard as we can. And today we didn't do as well as we did yesterday. That's what we're going to do. And, so, and then we give them goals and you know, trying to create like levels of, in our groups now that we're starting to do with these guys, so they can reach level one or level two and something for them to actually strive for to get a little bit better with and just making it fun for them. And you can do that on an individual level. You can do it on a group level because mm-hmm. a lot of times instruction has been on a private level. It's always been about, did I hit a home run on a hit tracks or did I, with my bat speed today, mm-hmm. things like that. That's kind of what we focus on on an individual basis with these kids. Yeah. Well, that's good. Oh, I was going to say, so like, I think that's a really actually interesting nuance that what that Art asked was, do you think about it? Art asked about, do you, do you think about just like square contact first and then swing hard second or swing hard first and then we'll figure out how to <laughs> swing hard and make contact? Is there an order that you like try to teach those in or do you do them at the same time, basically? I wouldn't say I teach the kids to swing hard. I hear a lot about, about we talk about creating power a lot and I sent you a question you sent this week and you're like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I'll get back to that later on because I was trying to figure out how does the body actually create power? We watch these videos and we do things like that and 
I was talking to you on Siri and it was all over the place like that. We're trying to figure out how we create power. I can swing hard. And it's always, I always say, if the kid's really aggressive, that's a great way to start. We can actually focus on to teach him how to control that aggression to be good. It's always harder to ramp a kid up than it is to ramp a kid down. But I tend to focus more on things that are, that I think, I think, my personal opinion, that I think the kid can get success with. And that is solid contact, this extra speed, whatever it is if the for this particular kid at this given launch angle, that's a chance for us to actually have some success on the field. It's probably not gonna be a ground ball. It's probably gonna be in some form of a line drive. So we have to figure that out. One of the things that Diamond came out with a few years ago that I absolutely love, right? And, and it was like the swing free thing. I like, holy smoke, man. Mike, mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell you, I still don't understand all of what goes into it. But I got the general <laughs> concept that some of these players, there are certain pitches in certain areas these players can actually hit. And they're probably can expect a good result when the ball's in this. Doesn't matter what pitch it is. If that ball's in that area, swing it. Probably right? going to be good. Yep. That's right. And so what we focus on, even with our younger guys, okay, your swing matches up with this pitch right here. If you see it there, swing at it. <laughs> right? And, and if your mom gets mad at me because I told you to swing at that pitch that's up in the zone, just get mad. <laughs> I'll explain it to her later. But swing at that pitch. And that's what tech. That's what tech has been able to allow us to do that we didn't know before. Some of these guys go out there and think they can swing at anything. I talk to my pro guys, I can't hit the pitch low and away. Yeah, well, I guess like, so I, I do want to, yeah, like now that we're moving, like earlier, we were just talking about like the launch monitor gets you to measure the outcome. Right now we're talking like one step earlier, which is like the, the swing, the bat tracker to measure the swing. And so I would do want to like make that differentiation. And I, I feel like this is really cool because now we just added another layer of information, layer of information with another piece of tech, which is the swing fingerprint. And Mike, do you want to give uh, <laughs> some- Yeah, for those- insights And maybe help Rick understand it a little bit better? <laughs> yeah, well, Rick, Rick, he's too humble. The swing fingerprint itself is, we look at a number of swings that the user's taken over potentially a number of different sessions too. And so we aggregate all of those swings together and we see how uh, those swings varied both in their approach speed and then their attack angle to those balls. So we can understand what likely outcomes would have been. We don't know the outcome just from the, the swing monitor from our swing tracker. We aggregate a lot of those together and those areas where the outcomes would have been better in the zone. And we use sort of a three by three zone uh, and that ends up being the swing fingerprint. So we can see high and inside, lay off them low and away, lay off them, and here's where you are high in the zone, as Rick's uh, example there. Those aggregate to the swing fingerprint, and that was an example of us trying to match the tech that coaches were using. We had the head coach at Carnegie Mellon Softball, so it was right in my backyard. I was sitting down with Monica, and she's going through how she's, what she's printed out and how she's assessed her players, how she's assessed their players on their plate approach and how they assess their plate approach. And it was wild to see the difference between the two. And then it was really cool to come in with Swing Tracker at that point and be like, so this is a swing fingerprint. It's going to look a lot like this because it was designed off of this. So then we can really match our tech to what uh, coaches are teaching and are using. There's already an application for it. So that's pretty interesting. I've, I've been a big fan of our swing fingerprint too. Thanks. Well, yeah, just to be more clear. So Diamond Kinetics, they have a swing tracker. And sometimes... You fit it on the knob of the bat, sometimes it goes in the knob of the bat. Yeah, we've got both here, right? So this one is on the knob and this one is a uh, softball bat from Marucci where it can go in the, in the bat, yeah. 
Yeah. So I guess, so maybe Rick, I, I'm curious now. So the launch monitor gets you like a better measurement of the outcome. But now the thing that you put on the bat gives you a measurement of what the bat was doing to produce that. Outcome. Absolutely. And, and I'm curious Absolutely. as a coach, you know, like how do you think about those two things differently? Does, yeah, what more do you gather now once you're using a bat track or something you put on the handle of the bat? This swing fingerprint, like how does that add? When you go even further into the body, the, the, the bat's really something that's acting upon what the body's making it do. So it's like, and I don't know if I can articulate this, that the ball's doing some things like this. And you can look at a lot of balls from a launch monitor over time and start to predict a little bit about how the bat's actually functioning. If you've seen a lot of this stuff, you can say, okay, this guy's probably his vertical bat angle is going to be a little bit flat just because of what the ball is actually yeah. doing. And, and so you can actually start to theorize that. And so you're looking for training opportunities when you start to look at what the ball is doing and then what the bat's actually doing to it on how you can actually, what kind of adjustments you would be making to a swing path in order to get the ball to perform a little bit better. And so that's what I think at the end of the day, it's really about, and I, I said, it's like, do you get the ball, the bat to the right spot at the right time, at the right angle, with the right momentum to be successful? And all the other little stylistic things that people talk about, I saw that story on Twitter the other day. And then I met Jimmy and Jimmy was talking about momentum. I'm like, momentum. Momentum's interesting, right? Because now we talked about style and whether a guy has an A swing or a D swing. I'm like, hey, did he get momentum to the ball or did he not get the ball? Did he get the bat to the right spot? Where was the bat when he hit it? Those types of things like that. And you can get a lot of that from the center data, right? The center data is telling you like, right, this particular pitch, swing tracker says that the bat's moving the wrong way. And so if he's going to swing at this pitch, you're going to have to make some adjustments with what he does with the swing. Yeah. Now I don't dive deeper into the weeds with a lot of the guys with that. Maybe if they're an advanced player, we talk about it a little bit, but with the, a young kid, we just make them, do exercises that would promote the activity of change. Yeah, it's very cool because this is the, sometimes the way I think about technology is moving backwards from the outcome to like what produced that outcome is the first thing is like the launch monitor, which gives you the exit velocity. The next thing is the swing tracker, which gives you <clears throat> what the bat did. But then you already mentioned is what's more tech that we can use to see now what does the body do? What did the body do? make the bat do what the ball did. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, now this is probably a good time to transition into the types of tech. We've already had webinars about this a little bit, but like what's the types, the different types of tech that you use now to capture what's the body? Of course, IMU sensors, the one IMU sensor that I've been using for a long time. I used to, I used the, the two that's in the industry, but I've used a 4D motion sensor for quite a long time. They've gone through some iterations with their sensors, especially with the, the ability to capture any movements at any time, stuff like that. So if we want to do, we want to find out if the drill that we're doing is actually having the effect on a player. So we'll make them wear the sensors and we're throwing net balls or vertical jumps or whatever it is like that to see what the player is actually doing and, and have goals and things like that. And then we also use, and this is you know our relationship a little bit, to iPhone cameras. I haven't been using that probably for a long time when I met Xenolink the two camera systems years ago, we were shooting a lot of single link, but Uplift's come out with the little cameras and you can process a 3D capture within a couple of minutes with that. And uh, meeting you guys has given more meaning to even, you know, what does this, these, this can actually, what is it trying to tell us in simple, simpler terms with that? So we, every kid that comes in here, we start with a two hour assessment 
and it's really designed not to go and do all the range of motion movements. It's really designed to focus strictly on the skill, right? I mean, how many balls can we get in that two that we hit? Can we do a 3D motion capture? How many swings can we capture on the system uh, with the sensor on? Those type of things like that to give us a, 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 as good an understanding as we can in a short amount of time so we can actually start to make uh, some progress in developing skill. But yeah, that's what we use as sensors and, and uh, cameras. Yeah, so we have the, you know, we talked about in our webinar a few months ago now at this point is we have the IMUs, like the, the measurement units that you can, you know, Velcro onto your body and measure how the body's moving, or you have the iPhones with the computer vision system to measure how the body's moving. But essentially, it's the same information. It's information about how the body is moving. And then now we have the entire progression from the body to the bat to the ball. Although I guess we don't, we could even, if you took it even further back, we could have force pivots. <laughs> it's what the interaction with the ground. Have you, Rick, have you ever dabbled with force plates? A little bit. I just sometimes use there's some things on your checklist you have to get rid of, man. Some things on my force plate. I mean, I hear guys doing that. I know a couple of guys that bought some fifty thousand dollar force plates. They trying to sell them, so I, I, I go. I I probably shouldn't be buying them. So. Well, so <laughs> these guys are really smart and analytic. So I said, you know what? And I've asked Jimmy on a number of occasions. Like, obviously, if there's something happening on the ground, there's something going on in the joints. Can I get enough direction from the joint stuff like that to tell me that maybe this guy is not great momentum on the ground with his trail leg, or whatever? And if I need to go down there with the, I definitely don't need to do that with a seven, eight year old kid. It's not, you know, I, I can probably get enough out of seeing him increase his vertical jump. Uh, until he decides he's going to become a baseball player. I don't Jimmy, think they do decide you, to be a baseball player at seven. Do you look at those force plates as even earlier, effectively like earlier data sets? So our ball launch, get it, the swing tracker, get it, and then all the kinetic motion. But it seems to me like the thing that's acting is the body. So it seems like I would call the where the body is and its movement to be the origination of those forces too. Do you look at that ground force as like a thing that's even earlier? to look at no that's that's actually like what i was gonna what i was gonna say is like probably like when if you're thinking about like the, the sequence from the ground to the bat to the ball like in that essence it is quote unquote earlier but you can also look at it as two sides of the same equation like the forces in the ground are creating the motion in the body so i would say actually you don't necessarily need both. <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, like the body obviously gives you a lot more information about the effect of those forces. But at the same time, I think if we have what the body's doing, we have the effect of those forces. If you're trying to do like the absolute most robust, most advanced assessment, sure, get some, get some force plates. You can understand a little bit more about the efficiency of the transfer from the ground to the body. But it's been my experience that the the complexity of adding force plates is not necessarily <laughs> worth just the incremental benefit you get from adding them. Except maybe maybe if at the major league level, if you have a million dollar motion capture lab, <laughs> maybe you want to add that incremental value. But I've always thought that force plates are you don't necessarily need them if you have everything. Thank you for listening to the Reboot Insiders podcast. Be on the lookout for future episodes. And as always, feel free to reach out at insiders at rebootmotion.com or on Twitter at rebootmotion.